it's about that time. You are about to get highly educated with the Cannabis Closet Podcast with Canna Queen and MJ. This is an adult content show with no limitations on subject, language, or actions. Opinions, views, and expressions may or may not be that of the hosts and their subsidiaries. If you aren't sure, don't worry. We'll probably tell you, or you can just take a good look at our faces. It's time to get this session started, so thanks for rolling up and showing up, and enjoy the show. What's good? What's good? What's good? Oh, I have to unmute you because I always have to mute the. I always have to mute that this because I can hear it in my ear, and I was like, "Oh no!" But it was just like a press of a button. I know. I don't even touch it because it's like I have a lag so i feel like as soon as i hit it then you're hitting it and then i'm turned off right hey what up what up what up i haven't even packed one for the show i still have one left over though so i'm just gonna light that i am live on tiktok Uh right now i have to be really careful because they'll get they'll get mad at me for some things they um they banned me last week for lighting a lighter what's up what's up audrey um they banned me last week for lighting a lighter on off screen. I was off screen, but it's one of these torch lighter things. So it's just like a regular lighter, but it's just, it sounds like a torch. I know it's just, fuck. they're crazy over there. <laughs> they're it's overkill. They, they ban everything, but pedophiles over there. I swear to God. Um, you can show the world your butthole, but you cannot smoke a blunt. I might get banned for saying that shit. <laughs> oh no. Um, Jason is on his way. He's like, is there a link? I'm like, yep, it's up there. <laughs> Roll up. Yes, it's up there. He's covered. Yeah. He'll be here. Yeah. And then um, I emailed it to him as well. And then I just sent it again over to Adrian. I'm going to leave this studio oh. here on that one so that um, the lag is less. It's crazy. I got like my I've got friends that have gotten banned for nudity and when they're wearing full full clothing. Um, they definitely fat shame over on the TikToks. Um, they definitely don't love stoners. Uh, but but the thing is, and here's the problem, is that this platform is fun to use and it's easy to use. And once you get the hang of it, it's kind of cool to use. And so the platform is great, but it's just the, it's like, uh, what was I saying the other day? I said uh, that it's a platform for young people that is run by old people. So like the rules are all fucking antiquated and shit, but it's, it's, young people accessible why won't it go away go away it won't <laughs> i can't get it out of here uh let's see nope wrong button let's see if i can do it from here nope i have to do it from over here it's just being laggy over here we're having technical difficulties but not ones that you can see yeah you got and that's crazy to me too you got to use code words for scientific terminology too and that irritates me like like, I should be able to at least use the scientific term for what I'm talking about. What's up next? Right. Um, Let's say about cauliflower. Like, I got to call like, I can talk about roses and chemicals. I was live this morning and I was freaking yeah. out because I said the M word and the C word on my live. And I was, like, trying not to, like, get banned for saying the words because 
they've like literally like I've tried to post one of our posters before and they've taken our posters down. Yeah. For a, for a violation for uh, illegal goods and services or some sh- like what? Get out of here. Get out of here. Get out of here. I, w- I think it was Jen that posted earlier that was like, hey, you're missing out on a whole revenue stream by banning cannabis, you know, by not allowing for cannabis. They are. Like, what is yeah, wrong with different. them? Why wouldn't they do that? Yeah. So, so, yeah. So, yeah, you're missing out. Like, there's there's a whole revenue stream, exactly, that you're missing out on. Um, there he is. There he is. You you want to uh, come on in for the banter part? Because, I mean, we're we're all friends here. Let's bring him in. How's that sound doing over there? Hey, Jay. Hey. Hey, everybody. This is Jason Mitchell. You, you know love him him. And probably love him because we've had him on before. All right. Um, and we may or may not have another uh, guest join us. He's got the links. He is also working so um i think he'll try to pop in when he can did you take my why is canna queen mad today oh oh i want to introduce a new segment (laughs) Um, i did not take it i didn't take anything down i didn't have anything posted though oh well i'm mad about how i woke up this morning but uh that's nobody's fault except you know life um but i did want to i did want to you know that article I sent you? Um, I did want to do a like a little uh, new segment that we won't do all the time, but I do want to do it today. Oh, uh, <laughs> the today in white history, and uh, and uh, we're gonna just only primarily <laughs> um... today in why do white men run th- run things? I. I have a submission. <laughs> okay. Where oh, is no. it? I, I have it. <laughs> you have it. Okay, good. Because I don't know. It's it's in this long list of other things that I have going on. Can, you want to read it? And then I will talk about it. <laughs> sure. So uh, the headline is... Yep. This is from 2019. So, but, it, but I'm sure there are daily occurrences that happen uh, often. I mean, it so. is history so okay um man allegedly hiding drugs in but accidentally shoots himself in the testicles this has got everything he's got drugs in his butt and he shot himself in the nuts so he shot himself in the nuts and was also found to be hiding cannabis in his butt um 27 years old carrying a gun in his front pocket in washington state uh, when the firearm accidentally discharged right into his nutsack, right into his testicles and into his thigh. Um, upon arriving at the hospital and a doctor, oh, operated, a um, when a balloon of cannabis slipped out of Wilson's butt First, while he was in surgery. Um, <laughs> you wait, pause. Cause we have a question. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to make sure I'm catching the 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 timing. You said this was 2019. Yeah. In Washington state. Mm-hmm. Proceed. Okay. 
Um, let's see. Police arrived at the hospital, searched his car, where they also found a bag of meth. So that was in his car, not in his butt. Right. The meth, yeah. the meth was in his car. Yes. Yeah. The weed was in his butt. The meth was in his car. He shot himself in the nutsack. And the thigh. Sorry, Unfortunately, just... this dude is already, uh, I guess, already um, a convicted felon. Um, yes. He was searched and another balloon of cannabis came out his butt. <laughs> um, two bags of cannabis in his butt. <laughs> Wilson has pled not guilty to the second degree felon in possession of a firearm and, uh, and unlawful possession of meth. He also pled not guilty to possession of a controlled substance in a correctional facility. Um, that makes sense. Just, okay. Okay. Now it's making a little yes. more sense. Why he would have a legal substance in that state shoved in his butt. Meth. That's why. No, 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 no. He had to be, he, he had to be either going into prison like preparing himself to go into jail and he was keeping that in his prison wallet so he could this, make deals later. Oh yeah. That's exactly what it, I did read that wrong. Um, as he was being processed into jail, he was strip searched and that's when the second balloon fell out. So was he, was he running? What was he running? Was he like uh, being arrested? Cause what you're you saying is valid. It's making a valid point. Cause I was like, well, why would you do that? Because you're on meth. And maybe right. he couldn't and fit the meth in his butt. Maybe he couldn't fit the meth, and that's why it stayed in the car. Oh, shit. Yeah. I thought that was some sort of mess up. Like, he put the wrong balloon. He right. meant to stick the meth balloon in the butthole and keep, and, and keep the legal substance out. Right here but in he, his pocket. If he, if he shot himself in the testicle... He's a felon. He's already a felon. He can't even be around a gun. Yeah, so he was definitely around a gun in close so this is this sounds like CEO material in, in modern day America, right? Like, wow. So wow. Um so yes, yes. So um, I found this story and I send immediately I send to MJ. I sent her this and I say, Can we do a new segment called Today in white history. <laughs> His bond was 110000 Just, Just FYI, they report that stuff. Oh, oh, poor people. Yeah, sorry. Let me get me started because that's probably a poor dude who's never going to have 10% of that bond. No. Nah. Who's never going to be able to get out. Nah. I mean, a, there's a, a lot of, to unpack there. There's a lot. A lot. Mm -hmm. But I thank you. I, like, the... I just recently learned what a prison wallet was by definition. So the visual. <laughs> the prison wallet is, is my favorite terminology. Right, right. So the visual of this poor guy. Oh, my God. Trying to figure out how to make it work while he was going back in, wherever he was going in, already suffering the pain of being an idiot who shoots himself in the nuts. Look, that's why brothers don't keep guns in their front pockets you know what i'm saying i mean like, that's not, not a good idea to keep a gun in your front pocket like that <laughs> no. how are you ladies doing you doing good yeah we're yeah. doing great doing great doing great how are you i'm doing all right i'm doing all right 
I wanted to preface uh, what you said something about uh, the day today's why white guys are running shit or some something was that yeah yeah i was like i was like today uh today i question why white guys run shit because we, well, we gotta remember white guys don't run shit everywhere just no. in our umbrella right like we we tend to forget that we're just one at best we're just one country at best right. yeah on our on our best day uh, like I'm saying this Ukraine shit now. Like I love. Oh, like, I'm so glad you said it. Woo, I so love seeing people. It. I love seeing people. I don't necessarily want to send American lives to be at risk. Yes, we can do everything else. We should be doing everything else in our power. Like if we can, if we can sell arms to to Nicaraguans and and you know what I'm saying like. Why can't we hook the Why can't we hook the the Ukrainians up with I'm the saying. latest dope shit? You know. But also, I have to bring some truth to this because we have to always bring light to everything that's happening. Our, our, you know, I don't want to say thoughts and prayers because that sounds so cliche. But like, we are really concerned about what's going on in Ukraine. And we hope that everybody is, you know, gets out of there and, and is safe. We want people to be safe. Absolutely. However, and also, why am I mad today? Because why are you leaving black and brown people on the train station not able to go with their families to protect themselves? You said women and children. Then women and children should be getting on that fucking train. Right. There's there's really? a there's a there's a complete racist backs like everything you know so we can't ignore that we want everybody to be safe you can't discriminate you're not ukrainian fuck you i'm here this is dangerous i need to get the fuck out of here i'm not russian either like get me the fuck out of here you know and also just a side note on what i just said if you live in these great united states uh do not treat Russian individuals poorly. They are not responsible for their government's actions. They are people that like, you know what I'm saying? We're not talking about like the leadership and things like that. We're talking about just regular everyday citizens that came here, oh, absolutely. got their, got their little, their little shop on the corner. <laughs> right. Yeah. There are a lot of Eastern European people in the Midwest Mm-hmm. Are, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. and look, that's we can't, you know, I, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I think most of us are smart enough to know that we're not going to and we're not going to promote the ideology of right. blanket discrimination against people for their origin. Nah, this starts yeah. at Putin and works its way down. And that's, yeah. you know, again, that's politics. And that's about as far as I want to get into that, because, like I said, I want to support those people. Yeah, uh, I, I want to make sure, um, and I'm not real familiar with the story you're talking about with with people being left on a, on a on a train at a train station. Yeah, they're leaving. They're they're um, not able to get across the borders. Um, what do you mean, like U.S. nationals? African, no, some some from, uh, other Af- from African countries too. Other immigrants, yeah, immigrants. Yeah, yeah. No, I get and, it. You know, um, so they're letting. So what you're saying is, say the border of Poland, they're letting Ukrainians in. Yes. Naturally born white Ukrainians in, but they're not necessarily letting other immigrants. Yeah. And there's, 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't, that doesn't make any sense to me other than they can judge, you know, like, like we had a Muslim ban in this country. Yeah, at one that's point. Like, oh, we're not going to have you out of these seven countries. But yeah, it's just, know. it's just gross. And, and I like the, I mean, just remember that it's everywhere. It's not just here in the United States. It's it is. Absolutely everywhere, and we just need to well, treat each other it's, it's a, like human beings and and keep each other safe. I mean, I'm certainly learning it's a it's a white European trait, right? Like at the mm-hmm. end of the day, yeah. Um, Africa has its own. The continent has its. The diaspora has its own tribal issues, and we've seen yeah. that in Darfur. We've seen that in Congo. We've seen that in Somalia. Mm-hmm. Listen, it's no different, right? Uh, but this this setting people aside or separating people because of simply their racial origin is, right. uh, has been really worked on well by the white Europeans for the last couple hundred years. Yeah. Agreed. Um, What's up, Cal? I will, Sorry. I will say that the one of my favorite things that's happening right now is that the war cry is uh, go fuck yourself. That's one of my favorite things that's happening. I don't I don't want there to be a war, but if there's going to be one and the war cry is going to be something, I think go oh, fuck yourself, Russia is is brilliant and perfect. I and I yeah. Um condolences for the losses that we've already seen on both sides. Cause honestly, the, the Russians don't really want to be fighting the war either. They're they're following orders. It's a government thing and a lot of uh a lot of the soldiers that have been stopped in some places are not shooting or fighting they're just you know no look i i think this is interesting when you had when you think back three or four generations and there was much more depth of loyalty to nation whether it was in russia whether it was in Eastern Europe, Germany, uh, you had, because there was such a control of the flow of information, when you look at it now, how, you, can't, you can't stop people from having four different avenues of information. Right. So you can't control their opinions nearly as well. Right, because so we only had that... We've talked about that where we we only had like three channels. They were all owned by the same person. They were all saying the same shit. So we all believe the same shit. Like that's right. it. That's what we had. That's how propaganda works. Yes. Right? Yeah. That's how that's how somebody like Hitler, when he's the only <clears throat> voice in the chamber, really for years and years leading up to uh preceding World War II, that's how that's how most of like nobody talks about. 85% of the German population was Nazi supporters. It's not like the Nazis were a small organization. No, almost 90% of that country right. supported what was going on. So the idea is, where does your responsibility or culpability really lie? Right. You believe in some shit that is that and horrific. How far and how far can we can we push the like brain like the the brainwash ideology where where you know this is what you see every day so this is what you believe there's a little bit to that but then there's also like you were saying 10 percent of the population who weren't doing that so 
What is it because they know somebody or they were related to somebody? Is what was the reason for a majority but not all of the population to, you know? And and how yeah. would how would we behave if we listen to the same propaganda every day, all day, without, you know, even though our neighbors we were talking about the other day in reference, uh, again, not comparing this to being um, a Jewish person in Nazi Germany at all, but also just want to like this, the sympathizing piece of it. When we're talking about um, trans kids in Texas, where they just don't have a safe space because uh, required reporters are going to be required to report them, which means that. CPS gets involved, takes them away from their parents, and their parents are now criminals, right? There are going to be people who sympathize with the parents and the children, but will still report because of what? Consequences. That's what their friends expect them to do. That's what they've been told to do. Like, there's a million reasons for why. And like you were saying, a majority of the population is going to report a Jewish person and only a small portion of the population is going to help them hide out and keep their mouth shut and take the risk of their own safety being in jeopardy. You know, it's not the same because these people are going to be in jail and it's different, but um, well, the principle is the same. Whether, whether the principle is the same. Thank you. Thank so, you. So I can give you more. Like whether it's a mod mm-hmm. arbitrary running through the neighborhood in Georgia and right. these three dudes deciding to invoke uh, uh, what, what was like civil civil arrest or uh, like they were saying they were trying to perform um, Yeah, citizens arrest. This was before a, this is before they just admitted that they were hateful. This was their original defense of things. I think the premise is real though. This is a law yeah. that's on the books. The idea that when it came to race, if you saw in this country, if you saw uh, a black man, he wasn't free. He belonged to somebody. Right. So these running around like so we've got policing that and, and this ideology of of allowing the general public to then involve themselves in policing of the returning of property, which is said black man. Yeah. So the idea that we always keep in mind this ideology that they are lesser, that we are that we are always comparatively lesser. That's just a specific story they want to tell. We know real history has taught us that the origin of man came from one continent and looked way more like me than it did Donald Trump. And the idea that we had tons of modern civilizations that were run by women, by people of color, that were built and run by all over this world, you know, um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like just like, I mean, white men are responsible for the destruction of said things and or <laughs> the possession, however they took it, of said things and then claiming uh, that they created it or built it or founded it or whatever. I mean, like, that's the legacy of the white man. 
And anytime anything's threatening, then we have to destroy it. Right? Anything, sure. anytime anybody threatens our way of life, we have to destroy it. So when uh, a guy who doesn't look like us is running through our neighborhood, threatening our way of life, because what? Maybe another guy next week that doesn't look like you is going to be running through your neighborhood too? Like what? Like, I don't, I don't really get it, you know, for me, from my perspective, but they went from citizens arrest to, yeah, this is a hate crime. We hate these people, these individuals who look like him. This is a hate crime because they're trying to get into federal prison when all, when that first they were just denying it and saying, oh, we were just protecting our neighborhood from a criminal, right? They try to put the onus on the victim instead. Sure. Which, which in, in this country is, let me ask you this, ladies. How many police have you seen? We saw the footage of all the unarmed black men over the last couple of years. This is yeah. a good segue into talking about progress in the cannabis industry. But we, we all saw the horrific. I'll go back to Trayvon. Like we'll yeah. start at, at Zimmerman, right? Like if this guy who shot a 17-year-old. And all these horrific images. How many can you tell me have you seen have been convicted? Like uh, how many have have paid the ultimate price, which was consequences? Not very many at all. Not very many. There's there's a few, but not very many, and I can't name who they are. So that's thing. It's not enough. Yeah, and when they yeah, and when they do get it, it's not enough. Like the recent one where the police officer, uh, she got like just a few months, I think, or. Once she gets, you know, paroled and everything. No, no. All right. So, so in the last year, we've seen the murderer of George Floyd be convicted. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we've seen that woman in Minnesota who pulled out her. her yeah. You're her telling gun me her instead tanks. of her taser. Correct. You, not, you first don't... of all, not a mix-up we're going to make. No, 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 no. But I, I don't know. She was convicted. Are you telling me that her sentence wasn't adequate, in your opinion? Because I don't know what her sentence was. Her I sentence wasn't was adequate. Convicted. Uh, I, I want to say she's. Let's look it up. Let's, yeah, let's I look wanna, it up. Let's let's look. But I don't think her sentence was adequate at all. I think also that she got sympathy from the judge at the end, which was like, "Don't do that. That's not necessary." Well, that's right. That's what I want to know. Is is I feel like as a black man in the society that we're seeing some sort of slight slight move in the barometer of empathy and i right. say that from white america because of the response to george floyd right and when black lives matter started it really wasn't just a look in most major cities you have or, or most non-urban environments you saw way more white people than you did black people marching down the streets Mm -hmm. for black lives matter now that's something if you go back to the footage of crossing the bridge in alabama um if you if you go back to the to the footage of sit-ins that was just black people there like there was the outlier of a single white person every once in a while but it seems like the the empathy barometer is moving a little bit more 
Yeah, but the judge had empathy for the police. Oh no, no, the system the has always. Yeah, yeah. The system has always served itself and like it publicly served. sheds a tear. It's just like, come on, no, she like no, 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 murdered no. A, a child. Like, come on. Well, that's what I again for me. That's what I thought. You know, um, the impact to white America for those three men to be charged with, to go through this whole process uh, uh, civilly and and to see that play out and to see them try their best in a system that, say, 10 years ago, yeah, might have got away with that shit. Well, they were going to get away with it. They were going to get away with it, for sure. Um, that, then to see that our federal our government was like, right, listen, you can't, you can't use the word nigger and then shoot somebody and it not automatically be a hate crime. Right. Um, right. So I think that sends a message to, I, I hope it sends a message to white America that you can't just, we're not in a society anymore where you can police as as you would like uh, socially or officially, right? Like, well, we are not in that society once you get caught. Like, because literally everybody bailed that until that video came out, and then that video came out, and then they couldn't bury it anymore. They would have gotten away with it if not for that moron sending his video out to people, and one of them having an actual fucking heart in their chest cavities oh no i don't actually think that's even what happened i think it accidentally got out because somebody maybe might have posted it i might be speaking out of my ass might have no, posted no, the, it as the, a... the third party the guy who recorded it right he 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 sent it out um i just don't know how it got was, out public. This was an angle from him it was an angle of pride he said it oh uh, yeah local. okay so, he so not even a, a local. He sent it to a local news organization, as they kept it. saying they weren't doing anything. Again, please, somebody answer me the question: Why do white men have power? I would like to know that, please. Just, anyways, okay. So, okay. The, before we get into our main topic, yeah, our, our other guest uh, is here, so we definitely want to bring him in and introduce him. Please, and, let's um, talk pop. Talk and then question to um, Dwayne, uh, sorry. Uh, I, I'll add. Dante writes, um, killer, she got two years for manslaughter. She got two years, but she won't serve two years. No, no way she serves two years. Let me, let me bring our, hi, Adrian. <laughs> Two years is in, involuntary awesome. manslaughter. If you look at what black men, you know, like the accidental shooting from a, the other no, side, it's <laughs> two years is brutal. That's, that's, you're right. If she does 12 to 14 months out of that, um, and that's not really, that's not a deterrent to me. Like you took somebody's life. We won't go too far now, but yes, you are correct. That, Broke that, the uh, judge's heart to give her that two years. Anyways, my, my point is we watched four we watched four cops choke out Eric Gardner. We yep. know there are groups of people who shot and killed Breonna Taylor. Yep. We know um the murderers across the board since since let's say Zimmerman. 
and Trayvon's murderer. And the idea that at least now, that police officer who murdered George Floyd was the first cop in my lifetime that I saw publicly hung out to dry. Do I hope that that's the pattern? Correct. Because I don't think an isolated incident is going to work. I think we have to show police officers and white dudes in in rural neighborhoods in Georgia that it's going to cost you your life now. Mm -hmm. When you used to think it was just like lynching. Yeah. You know, they let lynch, us, they let us, uh, pause for a second so we can introduce Adrian real quick. Uh, hi, Adrian. Hey. Welcome to the show. Uh, sorry you joined us. Like we're in, we're still in banter mode, but this, we, sometimes our banter gets kind of serious. <laughs> and then, yeah, you're definitely talking about some serious issues. Yeah. So, uh, can you tell us a little bit about you? Everybody knows Jason. He's been here before, uh, and we've introduced him. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and introduce yourself to our audience? Sure. Um, my name's Adrian. I, he's here in Colorado. Uh, first one being Bam Bam Productions. It stands for Family Building a Movement. That movement is uh, building community through music and art by utilizing each other's networks to build each other up. And so what we do is um, with every show that we have or event that we that we cater, we have some sort of a charitable aspect involved in it, whether it's raising money for um, uh, with PTSD, uh, whether it's raising money for the Denver DJ School or uh, families uh, with the Aurora Mobile Food Pantry, uh, everything that we do has some sort of a charitable aspect involved. Thank you um, for, first of all, for what you guys are doing. I love that uh, you have a platform like that. Also, I'm absolutely positive that uh, we're going to connect you and Jason when this is over as well. Because I already see his face light up when you say all the Yeah, I knew that exactly. I was like, this um, is so I am amazed like, we haven't met yet, but I have, I don't do a lot of front range hanging out. So, yeah. That'll so, change. Uh, we'll get you two connected after the show. Um, thank you for joining us today. Uh, today, our topic is uh, going to be about social equity. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? What are we going? What do we think about it? Um, for anybody just joining the show, this is the Cannabis Closet Podcast with Canna Queen. That's me and MJ. That's her. Uh, <laughs> we have uh, guests today, um, Adrian and uh, Jason. Uh, both of them are joining us for this topic. It is uh, Black History Month, and uh, so we are uh, definitely sharing. Oh, we just saw Julia in the back. Hey. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hey. What's up? We now you're going to get the excited, too. Yeah. What's up, everybody? <laughs> so um, I... Don't I don't know if we prepared you, Adrian, but we do try to share some Black history facts, especially this month. But we're actually doing it um, throughout the year for the show because Black history is American history and world history. You can't have either one of those without Black history. So we're going to um, highlight as much as we can. Um, and so, yeah, that's what we're doing right now on this little segment right here. You did miss the segment. um, this segment in white history, 
<laughs> but definitely check that out on the playback, and I hope you enjoy. Well, yeah, we, we we may we may revisit that conversation. Later. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty good one. <laughs> um, so I have, um, I have one here about um the 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 richest girl in the youngest and richest girl in America in 1913. Her name is uh, Sarah Rector and she was 11 years old and she was born in 1902 in Taft, Oklahoma. Uh, She came from very humble beginnings, uh, later became the wealthiest black girl in the country at the age of 11. Uh, Her family were African-American members of the Muskegee Creek Nation in Indian Territory and her grandparents had been enslaved by Creek tribe miners. Uh, members, excuse me. <clears throat> but after the Civil War, they were entitled to the land allotments under the Dawes Allotment Act of 1887. When Indian Territory integrated with Oklahoma Territory to form the state of Oklahoma in 1907, hundreds of black children referred to back then as Creek Freedom Miners were each granted 160 acres of land. Rector's allotment was located in the middle of the Glenpool oil field and was initially valued at about $550. That's back in 1907 money, if anybody wants to calculate that. In uh, 1911, her father had decided to lease his daughter's piece of land to a major oil company to help pay the property taxes. And then in 1913, everything changed. According to uh, Searching for Sarah Rector, the richest black girl in America by Tanya Bolden, an independent driller struck oil that started bringing in uh, 2,500 barrels or 105,000 gallons per day. Holy shit. Uh, Rector, still being the owner of the land, began earning more than $300 a day, the equivalent of about $7,500 today. So every day she just sitting back earning seven grand. Suddenly she began getting a lot of national attention. I imagine so Uh, (laughs) from newspapers all over the country. For example, the Kansas city star published the headline millions to Negro girl, Sarah Rector, 10 year old has income of $300 a day from oil. Meanwhile, another uh, newspaper, the Savannah tribute tribune, published a headline, Oil Well Produces Neat Income, Negro Girls, 112000 a year. That's a lot back then. Again, a whole lot of money. It's like $7,500 a day. Rector quickly became famous and naturally started receiving all kinds of requests for loans, donations, and even marriage proposals. (laughs) They were like, hey, girl, (laughs) what's up? She's 11. They're like... That, that was marrying age. Come on. That now. is. That's <laughs> bad. That's the fair. <laughs> oh, anyways. When I look back at our history, we were just, we were disgusting. Like, you say were. Sorry. Yeah, no. Still, whatever. Correct. Right? Like, yeah, like okay. Harvey Weinstein is a past tense. Come on now. Yeah, I know. It's still happening. Okay. Sadly, though, there was a law at the time. Here it is. There is a law at the time. I'm waiting the whole time. (laughs) Tragedy, the poor girl's story. Yeah. 
that required wealthy Native Americans and African Americans who were citizens of Indian Territory to be assigned a well-respected white guardian. Oh, man, this is going to roll right into our subject matter. Right I love here. it. I love it. You're right. Uh, uh, as a result, Rector's guardianship was turned over to a white man named <laughs> T.J. Porter. Of course <laughs> But reportedly, uh, W.E.B. Dubois and the NAACP got involved to protect her wealth and well-being and were able to successfully do so. Uh, She later went on to own one of the first Black-owned auto dealerships in the country and reportedly enjoyed her wealth until the day she died. Good. Yay. Happy ending. The white man didn't win today. (laughs) Wait, does did her did her kids and her kid grandkids and all of that, did they get to keep the money or did that just kind of I would have to look more into that, but I feel like it was nineteen oh seven, so hopefully she lived to an old enough age where some of those laws had changed. Yeah. That's the hope. We could look more into that though. That would be an interesting um story to follow up on. For sure. Um but that little tidbit right there. Isn't that always the way? You can't do it by yourself. We're going to get this white dude to help you do it. Yeah, let us help you. Pat on the head. Which is the way that I... Um, I somebody can correct me all day long because... But this is the way that I look at Colorado's social equity laws. Are That's you- the way they look to me to in the cannabis space yes so i i have i i agree with you to a certain point right yes please uh, tell me so when when i was in high school um i was a stubborn kid a stubborn person i i, I was like hey man i want to do this i want to do this shit on, all on my own i don't need mm-hmm. your i want to go to school i don't need your scholarships because i'm brown i don't need this that, that. and then i quickly realized after mm-hmm pay for it myself and after doing and jumping through all these hoops it's like there's a reason those things exist right because we've been as a people as as um a community set back and the black community set back even further Mm -hmm. so it's like these things exist for a reason so why not take advantage of them Mm-hmm. But at the same time, when you're looking at the at the social equity within the cannabis space and you look at how um, how drastically like weighted it is towards white people and who the owners are and what they're doing and 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 the other people who have been mostly affected by the war on drugs and how they are not allowed in the space because of this, that and the other, it seems as if that the social equity programs are trying to elevate us into that space. Right, and but are they are trying, trying hard, hard enough? enough? Right, is, the, are, is, it do, is it being done properly? Right, I don't, yeah, I, I, I think social uh, equity programs are great. I agree with you on that. I think that we should, but our social equity program has like the one in our cannabis space has this caveat that you have to like half own your shit. And my question is, can't we just make the cannabis space more accessible to the individuals 
who want access, not just rich people and not just white people. We we so, can. I, I, I would love to interject for a second in the sense that um, Colorado has certainly given us an ideology of where low barriers of entry can be. Um, as far as cost, now those barriers of entry are certainly not attached to those who were most affected by the war on drugs. Those who might have got a drug charge and now can't necessarily play the game or be an owner or have to go through tons of extra crap legally to procure your license in this state. And that's still something you can do. There are 90% of the states that just exclude you right off the top because you are somebody who has something in your history. Right. What I'd say I'll declare the oldest man in the room. What I'd say is like, <laughs> like lots of other shit over the last say since since Jim Crow and Martin Luther King and the civil rights movement is this ideology of a so we talk social equity is today's affirmative action. Right. I, I dropped that mic, right? Yes. So as okay. a poor kid, as a poor kid, we we had you know, we had two sides of it. You're a poor black kid. You want the affirmity of inclusion. I want the opportunity of what they got over there on the other side of the tracks. I can see the other side of the tracks. It ain't like there's a wall or I'm the, I can see it. Right. So I benefited from that. Like I, I got a bus ride to the other side of town and I was the token who was, but it didn't serve my community. It was affirmative for me. But it didn't it didn't create any solutions for my community. So mm -hmm. I learned that socially not a lot changed for the black community. It may have changed for in black individuals socially, but it did not change for the black community. Right. And that's why I look at Colorado, like we said, we were talking the other day. Going all the way back to Massachusetts social equity in provisions, most of these people didn't have regular black folk in the room trying to help them write the legislation. And that's the problem. The it's idea the is problem. in every there's state, no setup, I think, there's no setup for small business owners to get support, especially somebody who's never been in business before. So you want to take me from a legacy, a legacy standpoint where I've had experience in the plant or I know distribution or I know how to make edibles or whatever it is. My part, I can grow the fire. The idea mm -hmm. is, I can't I, I can't sit around and and sit idle until the state licensing board decides to get me the go ahead to be a business. Meanwhile, right. I have to play a regular small business role like paying for uh uh your your all the licensing and overhead and and mm -hmm. real estate and all the things that come into play when it comes to who you are as a small business. Right. We're not even doing black people the service of educating you on that, right? So we're not even really having the conversation before we exclude you by creating the law. And I know that because I stood in my own capital and helped participate in that law creation portion. Uh -huh. But I don't see, even in the most modern social equity legislation, I don't see tools put in place. California has done some pretty good regional uh, uh, support. I think. Um, I think Illinois. There was one. 
one alderman woman who figured out that she could, uh, under the guise of marginalization and criminal uh, criminalization under the war on drugs, that her district could take chunks of money right out of the cannabis uh, pot in their state and then redistribute that through the black community based on reparations for um, opportunities in housing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. But that that's one alderman in one precinct. When we talk about the billions and billions of dollars that this industry creates a year, I don't think it's much to ask for real consideration. Yeah. So that's where I, I see, even in, in Colorado, they, they kind of force you to have a partner. Okay, we'll take you from the the lower standings of, of, of your, your financial qualifications under this much, or you, so your, 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 your support is you have to partner with somebody who's already a license holder in our state. Well, that puts yeah. you in, in, a, in a very dangerous position because now I'm, I'm, I'm in debt to and partnership with my competition. Right. And, and so I, you know, I mean, it's like fifty-one forty-nine. I think is I think it's. Yeah, but to your point, to your point, like we're we're requesting like money. We're we're asking them, hey, um, can we have some of your pie? No one, historically speaking, they never gave up anything freely, and right. so. No one's coming to save us. No one's coming to give us this opportunity to to have this bread. And what so what it is incumbent upon us at this point for to do for self. And right. to, while yes, they have the billions and billions of dollars that can be allocated to um, minorities for to to start and operate their businesses, we need to do it within our own communities to be able to build each other up, to get to that status, whether it's finding funding for our own shops, whether it's finding uh, funding for our own businesses and really be able to elevate ourselves because no one's coming to save us. No, you're absolutely right about that. Get out of the mentality of, well, there's money out there, but we need to figure out a way to get it in a sense of asking government agencies, asking, you know, any of these these people that aren't within our community or or don't look like us. Mm Mm-hmm. There are people right now in organizations such as I, I went to um, a Metro Deep Gala on Saturday that are discussing just this. And it's it's getting to the point of where there are organizations out there, while we may not like how they operate, so, um, there, there may be some things that were not... Um, we don't really feel like, oh yeah, NAACP does this or this this organization does this and that. And what the main focus of that gala was, um, get in there. If you don't like it, get in there and change it. Amen, get in, brother. Get in there and, and be that catalyst that says, all right, well, NAACP has been doing X, Y, and Z. Black Lives doing X, Y, and Z. That we're not, we're not. Um, we don't get down with it like that. Whatever the organization may be whether it's the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, whether it's uh, Green Latinos, which I'm a member of, um, it's getting in there and changing it and saying, hey, this isn't going to work. This doesn't work for our community. I am in the streets. 
I am I am with my community, so I know what they're looking for, and then actually going and being involved in changing it, and then finding the funding and finding the money uh, within our community because what is it one point two trillion dollars the black community spends annually, and how many and, and give or take um, just on just their economics, right? Mm-hmm. Their economy is around one point two trillion annually. How much of that money is being spent within the community? None. Well, I talk about this all the time. This is my favorite thing. I talk about this almost every time the subject comes up. You know what I'm going to say, MJ. You know what I'm going to say. Killer Mike (laughs) did that whole docu-series, and he did that first episode on how – uh, how the dollar stays in a community and everybody else gets days or weeks, but black communities get hours to yep. keep a dollar and then it goes out. And so that uh, is one of my questions is that shouldn't our programs uh, also include like, like a caveat, like if you don't live and, and commune in this neighborhood, then you can't own a business in this neighborhood because what's happening is in the cannabis industry, especially there, first of all, in Colorado specifically, there are only nine black black owned dispensaries in the state. And only one that I know of is owned. I think she owns it maybe solely. I have to do more research into that. I think a lot of them are co-owner, So, um, so, you know, I mean, that's fine. There's still only nine in the whole state of Colorado and we've been in this business for some time. That's a ridiculous number. Um, um, I want to say that the white owned dispensaries were 13, like 1300 plus. So it's, it's a, I mean, that's, it's a staggering number. Well, like, it's a staggering number. Um, so my question is, is can't we like, of course we can, we can do whatever we want. We just need to like be, we need to be participatory in the process because there are people who don't understand our communities or our industry that are making the rules around what we're doing. But having said that, can't there be a, a something in the regulation, something in the, and that's that, makes it like that you can't just keep taking these dollars out of these communities while you're making your money on their backs so so i'm gonna jump in here for a second because there's a lot that's been said that i, I want to unpack sorry no i just I, adrian i want to let him know I, it's not it's not as if i believe the black culture is sitting around waiting for their 40 acres and a mule i think intelligent black people know that oh no not not at all they, they've lied from day one Although we were we were deserved and promised pennies on the dollar for the work that we did in the foundation of this country, I now look at the mechanism of, you know, I'm from the greater Philadelphia area. There's a real system at play when you can look at the registered businesses in, in the city of Philadelphia and there are less than 3% black registered businesses in a city that is 49% black. Now that now we talk about why the dollar doesn't say in our neighborhood it's cuz you got nowhere to shop. Now if you know the parallel market of legacy or illicit or whatever you want to call it off market gray market whatever, you know that there's today there's just as many vending opportunities, there's just as many hot shit going on in that parallel universe. 
why, why can't we find a way to create the bar the to drop the barriers so we can all play the same game? Like we definitely can do that. Like, listen, I feel like Colorado is creating like a class system within our ownership, even Mm -hmm. like it's, it's, it's less expensive to get a delivery driver license. Right. So then we're seeing more social equity license in the delivery space where it's just like, Oh, well you can't own a dispensary. You can't run a dispensary, but you can transport it for us. We'll let you do security. Absolutely. Like, to what they were initially starting off at. So what they wanted to do with the social equity pro or excuse me, with the um, delivery service is they mm-hmm. wanted to ensure that you had to have an existing license to even be considered to deliver. And so I sat in on a couple of Denver City Council meetings regarding this and I'm gonna pause you for a second. I want everybody to listen to what he just said. Can you repeat where you were, please? And 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 he's then, not saying driver's license. <laughs> no, I was uh, I was listening in on a, a some zooms for the city council regarding um, the social equity program and licenses for delivery service, and their their main goal was to have initially um, you had to own a own a dispensary license already or a grow license already in order have the, the delivery license and what um candy c debaca was saying and she's generally on the opposite side of denver city council because she takes social equity and people's I, people's identities into consideration is that if you do that you're already eliminating almost all minority candidates to have a a delivery license already right off the bat so how is that so how is that equitable and right. so, but going from what they wanted to what we got, um, while it's not the best, we still have still have moves to make. That's true. Than what they were offering initially. But to, to me, I'm sorry. That's the game. We we set the bar so shitty that yeah. we're now happy that that we're now happy. I get a piece of I get I get a piece of stale crumbs. Oh oh, thank you, thank you. Nah, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. So at the end of the day, and and yeah, I was going to say we're happy to have it, but also, can't you make the bar of entry? I don't don't know that I'm going to say I'm happy to have it. Council that look like us and feel and think the same way as us, and so in order to make actual and infect actual change, we need to vote these people in to make sure on a local level that whoever's deciding this are from our communities. They're not people that just came in, popped up and like, whoop, whoop, I live in Hilaria Swansea, but I just bought all, I'm a, I'm a developer and, and now I'm, I'm taking over. And now right. my friends are going to vote for me. And now I'm making decisions in minority, mostly minority areas right. where these people are being affected, but they don't care because none of those people look like them that, that are in their social groups in their, that they even interact with. Right. What I meant, uh, I just want to clarify, I don't, I don't mean, hey, I'm happy for your crumbs. What I mean is thank you for having a, a barrier of entry that I can cross over. But can't you have that for everything else? Like if you can have it for this part of the industry, then you are capable of creating um, a way for people to get into the other parts of the industry by making it so you don't have to be a gazillionaire to get in or partnered with one of the white dispensary owners in the state of Colorado. 
I don't tell me tell me a state where we're actually addressing this from the front end where we're saying if we know people that look like Adrian and I are marginalized and have been criminalized over this plant and carry a much higher burden of conviction of contact of some sort for decades. How are we how are we state to state? And I've been in dozen now, right? Mm-hmm. State to state, how are we still having the same exclusionary conversation about excluding people who have previous cannabis knowledge? Hmm. Business experience. It being legal, right? I'm saying I want to hire the guy that knows how to grow. I want to hire, like, I don't give a shit about his record because that's bullshit. Right. The real ones you can't touch in 99% of the states because they have a, con- a convicted history. And that's just unacceptable to me. And we're still, so we want to come in and the, you want, MJ, what's up? We're doing uh, a little 420 dance because it's 420 on the West Coast. Uh, <laughs> Our little uh, alarm I, went off. I just think we're, 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 adre- we're, we're literally putting clothes on the elephant in the room. And yes. at the end of the day, we're now having social equity conversations while we still roll out new legislation state to state and adult uses, right? And yet only California and Nevada and a couple of states, I'm really disappointed in my state of Colorado in how lame duck they've been. They led adult use and then they've been horrible. And I think Denver being such a, a, a an anomaly as a city in, in the country, right? Like it's not like there's a real deep hood population anywhere you can go start addressing uh, recovery. You can go down to the far end of Colfax and you can go into some neighborhoods that need uh, 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 their communities uplifted and have been over-policed and have dealt with problems for generations. Right. But that's not the mechanism that's occurring even in Denver right now. right? Mm-hmm. And we have these great chances like we talked about earlier to have some real improved engagement. And I, and I don't, so I'm not unhappy with the progress we've made. I am appreciative of any progress we can attain comparative to day one. But if, if I don't, you know, like I, you know me, I believe this industry owes a debt of gratitude, right? Like I know when I started in this game, it was really because there were people dying of AIDS in, in Cali and that there were advocates that were really pushing for plant medicine in California. And, and uh, so it started for me in the early 2000s and it really became, I had sick children. I had sick old people. I have buried tons of friends. This plant means the world to me. I don't want to just simplify it as a corporation, but I want, mm-hmm. I want everybody to have access. And that means, from a, a job standpoint, from a healthcare standpoint, from a financial standpoint, you know. And, I mean, and there's so, you know, like what you're describing is is okay for for everybody to have access and for their health benefits. We're eliminating medical marijuana facilities through legislation. Like, oh, I can't stand it. So, We're so mad about it. It's it's. I've I've Jared Polis. You have got an open invite to come tell us why you're signing this legislation into law. 
we would like to know why you're destroying our medical program. Well, we we know, right? It's it's about it's about it's, we know from, from medical, like they do recreational, <laughs> and push that. And effectively, what they're doing is pushing everything back again to the black market because people aren't going to go and pay, you know, X amount of percentage in taxes just to to buy an exactly. eight. What's just not going to happen? But uh, we will say the underground market. Uh, everybody knows that we. <laughs> We ain't put no negative effects on that because everybody, market, knows. everybody so, knows. Like, like, look, because they're still they're 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 giving us our medicine now because the medical prices in these dispensaries are already ridiculous. Now you're you're pushing people into like you said into the. Well, other because here's what they do is because the in order for some medicals to get wholesale, they have to they can go buy from a recreational facility that wholesales product. But we don't have medical wholesale. You can medically wholesale unless you have an infused product license or a grow license, yeah, or a dispensary license. So you can't um, just have a grow, and and we can't access you. Know, medical can't access wholesale product without paying the double tax. So then by the time it gets back to medical, they now have to raise the pricing um, and, and they can't afford it. They can't afford to do it. I've already had a medical facility closed down because of this, because they can only do so much, you know, without um, bringing in other product. Yeah. So it's, it's not a good system. They're, they're not making, um, unfortunate. Isn't it funny that we all gained access to this plant by voting on, a constitutional change and said, this yeah, like, but they're I just going to destroy the business model of it. So we still have that constitutional right to have, they'll, they'll argue, you still have the constitutional right to have your medicine, but there's nowhere to buy it. So you're just going to have to go pick it up at the, cause we know you guys are saying that you have migraines. We know what you're doing. Like, right. That's how they think of us. They still think of us that way. They so think of us as like the, the recreational tax, the adult use tax. Like if I have to go pay, you know, shop in an adult use store as a medical patient and a, and a local or a resident of Colorado, I should not have to pay um, adult use taxes. So that was my complaint from the very beginning was I'm disappointed in Colorado in the sense that we have been the second longest adult use state. We've really been the pro most progressive in, in trying to set forth an example and, and I just think we've had chances to address social equity. And, and, and in this state, it's, I'm going to be honest with you, it's, it's a different purview than, say, social equity in California or Pennsylvania or New Jersey or mm -hmm. Florida. Or, I mean, it's just that some of the neighborhoods look different and have been affected yeah. you know, entirely differently. But I still say if we're not, if, if we're not talking about legislation that puts the people who had the experience in the game before us and gives them decision-making power and gives them financial support, like, like how many venture capitalists have access to the licensing process in New Jersey and Pennsylvania and Delaware right now? I can tell you at least 12 personally. Like, so money isn't necessarily hard for certain people in certain rooms to get. But if you're a brother who's been slinging the same shit on the same, like, even if you have a good legacy background in any one of those states, for you to get access to a couple hundred grand to start the process is way harder than somebody who's been privileged. Right. So, you know, I'd like to see funds create, like, um, siphoning of small amounts created right off the bat. If you're going to let medical come into your state, we're going to set up a social equity fund. And that's yeah. going to be 
for a group of people to determine how to work through that for access. Never mind, like pre-application, because I'm tired of even even the successful large-scale black businesses in this country are forcing people into giving up half their equity, half. And I, I look, I may give up. I, I wouldn't mind the choice of giving up half my equity to be a millionaire, you know. Um, but I don't want to be forced into that. If right. I want to start small and scale, I want that opportunity. If my if my people have been doing the same shit in the same neighborhood for generations in Compton or North Philly, or I want the opportunity to establish that business as legitimately as any of the other license holders in the state. Right. We're not like that's real equity to me, and we're not like how to support those people who've been held back the most mm-hmm. so so uh, you know i mean especially I, when you're reporting that your the revenue from the industry is in the billions uh but they ain't reporting plus. that for me and you they're reporting that for the next venture capitalist yeah yeah, yeah. for sure month. but let's talk about like the what what another pro here's another problem that i there's a couple there's there's two things Number one, there's a there's a little bit of this loophole thing that we we've talked about before where um, people who look like me are minorities and can get social equity licenses. But like then, you know, my white husband runs the place. Right. So there's that. And then the other issue that I've uh, come across, which one of one of our at least guests may or may not have experience in is that we go and we hire the individuals we're supposed to hire to get the points for social equity, right? And then when we no longer need those individuals, they no longer have a place. They're now hard to work with. Was that NFL coach? What's his name? He's very difficult to work with, apparently. We won't use use names, but there's a great example right now of a, a, a gentleman who was smart enough and capable enough to not sign an NDA and leave Bart. millions. He left. He left millions of dollars on the table because yes. he wouldn't sign that NDA, so he could have truth to his conversation later. That's all. Just truth to his conversation. Later. Yeah, that's an expensive lesson. That like. I don't know any other black people who can leave millions on the table so they can have a truthful conversation later when a motherfucker ain't in the room. That's right. all I'm saying. And and so when you talk about, look, they're trying to sell us today in this society that, oh, we should feel bad for poor white men and, you know, they're poor white ladies. And I, I, don't, I don't have a lot of sympathy for anybody who's not indigenous or has experienced the kind of, uh, direct oppression the black people in this country have faced, mm-hmm. uh, and I and I and I'm and I'm learning the immigrant story, and the modern immigrant story is a is a is of Latinx or Hispanic origin, and the previous generations of immigration stories have been Eastern European, they've been Italian, and they've been shat on by the ruling white class in this country, Mm -hmm. but nobody has paid the price that the indigenous inhabitants of this continent paid or the slaves that were brought over in in droves have played. So 
I do believe, and that, that's where, for me, like we talked about affirmative action, I do believe there's a necessity for real hardline legislation. But who makes those quotas? Who makes those numbers? When right. you look back to affirmative action, there was no black people in the room to say, well, let's, let's, how, how do we cure the, the issues of, of social black norm, right? Like right. what the status quo in my hood was for the last three generations. They just sat back. And even today, I mean, no, I mean, no disrespect when I say white people sit back and see, try to figure out ways in which they could make my neighborhood better. Just come. We know plenty of smart black people. We know plenty of smart Hispanics. Please come ask us. Right. To, to participate. It's not, it's not less um, in, in support, but I've, I've recently learned, you know, there's, there's a huge difference in my world today. And, and I said this, between allies, I think, I think all causes need allies. I think black people in today's market need allies to, we're talking about getting, making progress. We've certainly made progress in ownership along the way. Although shout out to Wanda and Simply Pure. Like she's an OG. Yes. She is an OG who's owned a license in the state from the beginning. And she's right. a veteran. She's a true American. And like her husband, they're OGs in this game, right? Right. Still, but still they're less than one percent of own less than one percent of ownership in the state. And right. less than three percent ownership across the country. Yeah. And and we have to do better. We do. I just want to say, speaking from, I, I can't speak for all white women, but speaking from being a white woman and also having been a poor white woman, I still like fucking look, I have, I'm, I'm not even going to be humble about it. I got pretty privilege and I got white privilege and I'm a woman. I got white woman privilege. And those are things that really exist. Those are things that really exist. People will give me $20 for gas because they don't want to see a white woman cry and not know how to get home. People will like, I've told this story recently. I I have a couple of recent stories where my foot felt a little heavier than it maybe should have been or something of that effect. And I get those lights in my rear view. I've literally reached over to my glove compartment and opened it and shuffled through it and no reaction whatsoever. None whatsoever. They're not afraid of white women. Okay. I got pulled over because I had these fucking cars with their running lights. I had my running lights on. I thought I had my headlights on realized real quick. I didn't have my headlights on, turned them on like less than a minute from my house. Cop caught me. He pulled me over I turned them on before he even turned his lights on. But let me tell you, when those blue lights were in my rear view, okay, and lighting up my car, there was a puff of smoke coming out of my face. I had a full blunt to my face. And I answered all of the questions wrong. I didn't shut the fuck up Friday. No, I told him everything. I told him that, yes, I consume marijuana, that, yes, I had just, I said I had just left my house and had a couple puffs before I left my house. You don't fucking tell them that you smoked it before you got behind the wheel of a car. No, you know what? He looked at me and he said, your car smells like marijuana. Were you smoking your car? And I go, no, I was just smoking at my house. 
and I just had before a couple of before I operated this vehicle, right? And he says to me, he looks me in my face. First of all, look, first of all, I have a tattoo on my face that signifies that, yes, I do. In fact, this whole side of my face is on the driver's side of my car. So he asks me the question. I say, yes, I do. Just did it at my house. Didn't say I did in my car, even though I know he when he lit me up, he saw smoke in my car. He definitely (laughs) did. I was turning on the vent and shit spray, whatever. Your car smells like marijuana. And I said, oh, it's probably because of that. And he said, you know, you can't. You know, it's not legal to drive under the influence of marijuana. And I looked at him and said, oh, I'm not. And he gave me a fucking warning and his card and told me not to drive under the influence of marijuana and let me go on my merry fucking way. And that is my story. So, I mean, that could have gone totally differently for me that could i am in colorado i am in my small town in colorado but that could have really gone differently for me regard those two things could have still been a factor against me if i didn't look like how i look and also just side note um consumption is not impairment it's not i was not driving under the influence of marijuana okay go ahead adrian so just kind of um going a little bit back towards what Jason was saying. Um, cause I gotta, I gotta get out of here in just a couple. Oh minutes. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, I did take it on a tangent. It's okay. It's I okay. do that. Um, right now what I'm in the process of doing is trying to start a coalition that crosses cultural barriers. We're bringing mm-hmm. people, in the black community, we're bringing people in from the Asian community. We're bringing people in from the Hispanic community to hopefully coalesce around, um, a simple concept and idea of, of we have to do it ourselves. Right. Uh, because, because no one is, is coming to save us. We have to do it ourselves and we have to work together and stop I'm, comparing atrocities. Right. Whose plight is, is worse. Um, <laughs> and way we can, we can really like actually get the work done because right. And stuff that has been, happened to all of our communities in different scales and different ways for different periods of time. And what we're doing is, is not necessarily moving past it with a blind eye, because if you don't know your past, you, you're doomed to repeat it. But mm-hmm. it's more so how are we going to hit the ground running as, as a united group of different cultures and what are our differences? And this goes this goes to like, what are our differences, and and how are we the same? Recognizing them, and then um, moving towards a, towards just reconciling that with with money, with dollars, and mm-hmm. and within these communities. And so, um, I would love to talk to anybody about this further. I'd love to have all of you um, come on to my radio show at least. Um, at some point together, separate, however, so we can continue this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for me in this conversation. I didn't necessarily know where it was going to, where it was going to, yeah. gonna we be. get excited around here, <laughs> but no, it's something, it's something that, um, Jason, you've really, you've really opened my eyes to a couple of things, man, as far as, uh, just what you're saying is yes, there doesn't, there does need to be legislation. 
absolutely there does need to be legislation um, that enables us to take advantage of some of the opportunities that our counterparts already have just just embedded in them. Um, yeah. oh, it's guaranteed them by the legislation. They were guaranteed access to licenses that other people have been specifically written out of. I mean, that's only through the laws written. Yeah. Exactly. You know, Farrah mentioned earlier, you, you have set-asides across this whole country about, you know, including minorities, people of color, access, you know, um, but but there's not a single lawsuit or a legal support <laughs> once you wait, once you get that uh, Willy Wonka ticket that you got to stay with the same team. What got you in the door doesn't necessarily mean you have it after the doors open. And right. and I would like to just remind Adrian that we we as people of color of all assets in this country have done it already. You know what I'm saying? Like we've already created our own infrastructure, our own college systems. We've already had our own Wall Street. We, because we were forced into those avenues, I know we can do it. Mm-hmm. I, you know, yeah. I, I, I see black MSO owners out there create millionaires every day. Yep. Yep. Through ownership, just forcing you and I to decide whether we want to give up half our equity or not. And I would rather teach my son that we can create an environment that you don't have to give up before you get in. I completely agree. Yeah. I agree with that. Well, and and like you were even saying, like people own community that do have money that are able to to help out not gouging them because you can not 50 percent because you can no this is is utilizing each other's networks to build each other up and it's and it's at the essence of of everything that like that i'm i'm putting forth in 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 my existence is i'm a i'm a huge team player and i believe in that to my core and so, and I've seen it. I've seen it happen. You've seen it happen. You're you're already talking Black Wall Street. You know, yeah. like, that was a real deal thing. The the, the Tulsa race riots, like Tulsa, Oklahoma, had the, a, a gigantic, huge, large Black community that was doing it and doing it well and doing it almost not almost, but doing it better than a lot of the areas around. And then, but that's also built on Indigenous tiers, you know. And so, not necessarily the. Black Wall Street is built on that, but the free seat. I, I get you. I, I, look, at the end of the day, you're going to say the colonizer paved that road. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, we do. And so I'll leave, I'll leave, it, leave it with this, is that I invite everybody from any community to come in and have a discussion on how we can, we can push this forward. Yeah. Because in all honesty, man, I don't know. I, I don't have the answers, but I know as a collective, we can figure it out. Yeah, come up with the answers together. I agree with that. Um, tell us uh, before you leave where we can find you and where people can connect with you. Sure. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at fambam5280, F-A-M-B-A-M 5280. You could also find me at Garcia Grind on Instagram. And um, you can you can message me through there and I'll be able to um, get back in touch with you. I'm usually pretty responsive. And uh, yeah, I'd love to see you all here in the near future on my show, please. 
Um, so yeah, I, we, I'm just going to officially invite you back to, you know, have more conversations. Sometimes we have fun conversations. Sometimes we get into the nitty gritty of stuff. So I really appreciate you coming through, um, with some real great point of view and, um, the community work that you're doing is amazing. We definitely would like to talk to you more about getting involved with that as well. Um, and I'll definitely connect you to, um, cause I feel like you will have, um, miles to talk about <laughs> together. He'll be, he'll be seeing um, me in person sooner rather than later. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We'll get it. We'll get it all together. Um, but, uh, really appreciate you coming on the show and look forward to, um, getting together again on your show, on our show and in the future to do some other business as well. I'm sure. Awesome. I appreciate everyone's time and I hope y'all have a great evening. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Too. Thanks, nice Adrian. To seeing you again. Yeah. Have a good one. Peace, fam. All right. So this is a good time to um, take a little and um, a word from our sponsors. <laughs> so pack your bowl and pack it up, pack it up, light it up. Um, so, uh, first, uh, if you enjoy King Palms the way I enjoy King Palms, uh, go to kingpalm.com and use, uh, KPTCCP Feb 15. Today is the last day with that code. I'm going to, uh, create a new one probably tomorrow, definitely by Wednesday show. You can get 15% off using that code. And, um, I just made $7 off of myself because, (laughs) um, my wonderful husband uh, bought me a, a 180 pack here and uh, used and used my discount and used my discount code. So he got 15% <laughs> off. He got 15% off of that. And then I also um, made a little money off of it. So. <laughs> it's fantastic. And also, you know, the little ways to work with revenue streams that's the new way multiple revenue multiple streams. revenue streams mm-hmm. exactly speaking of which if you are looking for cannabis consulting and or education uh we do both cqlc cannabis consulting and education you can find us at www.cq-llc.com or you can email us customer service cqllc at gmail.com or you can call us 970-426-5985. That also takes text messages, which today was really funny. I got a call before the show with somebody inquiring about the responsible vendor training. So CQLC was recently approved by the Marijuana Enforcement Division in the state of Colorado to teach responsible vendor training. And in order to become responsible vendor training certified, your team has to take that class through a certified vendor, which is us. So I had somebody call today and ask about it and uh, asked me a couple questions and I was answering the questions and uh, they happened to tell me that they uh, got their license on a social equity license. And I was like, that's interesting because that's what we're talking about on my podcast today and told them about the podcast. And then she kept telling me more and more about what she had going on. And I was like, um, I am so interested in this story, but also I have to get ready for this show. <laughs> Did you get her info? Can you I do have her info. I have her email and everything. And also she found the link to our show. So hopefully she tunes in. 
uh, and catches this um, on, on the playback, or maybe she's in here live. Uh, we can't tell unless you comment. But if you're interested in getting your responsible vendor training, go ahead and give us a call and we'll get you all set up for that. I'll send you a demo and everything um, and, and we'll, we can chat about it. So, yeah, it was an interesting conversation. So then she texts me to tell me that she uh, found the link to our show. And uh, but part of her text didn't make any sense because she was watching a TV show and it was a talk to text. So it only said, I found the link. And then it said something that just didn't make sense because it was repeating what the TV had said. And it, it did it like twice. And then she was like, oh, I'm watching this show. And then she's, she's so interesting. I was like, you are great. I really hope that she chooses us and I will give her all the reasons to do so because uh, she's fantastic. Her whole personality was fantastic. Did she um, tell you what Avenue? Uh, license. Delivery, delivery. She's going to do delivery license, a delivery license. Um, there's much to talk about with her. Um, there was a couple of interesting tidbits that I don't feel like I should repeat publicly on the air right now, but there's some call. interesting tidbits. You know, as, yeah. a, as a guest, for sure. Yeah, like. yeah, for sure. She was very interesting. I would love to have her on the show, um, but I would also love to have her business because she seems like she'd be fun to work with and teach. Um, so, uh, anyway, so it was very interesting. So anyway, you guys can text that number too, if you are interested. Um, so back to the topic at, at hand, um, there are some, there are some definite problems with, uh, different social equity, uh, licenses or, or regulation within, you know, um, points within the regulation. I don't think that they go far enough for the most part. Like you said, there's a couple of states that are, that are doing things, you know, the right way. Um, but the, I mean, I don't know how we, well, you said California, you mentioned California and Nevada. Right. And so, I mean, but like, it's like, I feel like, cause I do think of it like, uh, like, uh, um, um, affirmative action. And I remember like affirmative action. I always kind of felt like it was bullshit that we had to have a law to hire black people. Like what? It didn't make sense to me because that's not how I think. <laughs> you know, I always think that like, why wouldn't you just hire them? Like, why would, you know, well, we had to have a war to free black people. So that's true. That's true. Um, so in that context, a law to hire a brother. Right. I mean, I was a, I was a young kid, and then I'm just saying, as a young kid, it just didn't make sense to me why we had like to have a because I because as a kid, I I always from from a little white girl's perspective, I saw you know my black classmates as my friends and my equals, so I didn't consider that that as like a thing that was an actual problem, but it is an actual right. problem, and not just in right. cannabis industry, in all industries. Yeah, no, I guess my biggest issue, and, and I heard a little bit of it in Adrian's voice and, and some of the statements he made about, it's it's not about what the individual does, because I certainly didn't feel like I needed affirmative action coming out of high school and on my SATs, and so it wasn't really, right. like, I understood being your own man. Look, I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. But to say that the Black community on a whole hasn't suffered in a way that it needs to be reinvested in yeah. is telling yourself you're lying, you know, like at the mm -hmm. end of the day. So that's where I say, okay, 
I, I, I do believe that we should, we are responsible for ourselves. Ultimately, we need to care for ourselves. And, and uh, that's why we have historically black colleges and we have yeah. more and more investment in that now by us because ain't nobody else coming along to do that shit. Mm-hmm. So I know that's um, not a it doesn't stop me from being the token in the room. My biggest issue yeah. is that's not a solution that we still today, even with the best state that has social equity, it's still just creating a token situation. It's not <clears throat> it's not addressing the problem full on. Right. Which is that there's no black ownership in the industry, essentially. And um and then we have programs that require you to do like a fifty percent ownership share with somebody else in order to get your foot in the door. I just want to say, I just want to speak to, um, you know, Adrian's not here to speak to what you said. So yeah, I do, yeah, do want to yeah. be able to like, just say that he will have an opportunity to come back and, and, you know, address that if he, if he so chooses once he watches the episode in full. I don't um, mean him specifically. He just, yeah, he no, I know. I just, you know, uh, I, I like that to. made me think about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 uh, I agree with you. Um. Uh, I, so, so like that, that's coming from like what I said was coming from like a white girl's perspective, but like I was so naive as a child. I just, I didn't even realize that there was like this separation. Like I was super naive. I was kind of well-traveled as a child because my parents were in the military and we went overseas. And so like, I just like, you know, what I saw was everybody was together all the time. And like my friends, their dads were also, and they and sometimes their moms too, um, were also in the military and had, we had this like different lifestyle and it was, it was all of us living in the same apartment. Like we didn't, it just didn't feel separate, but that's not how the world was working, you know? And that's also from my perspective, I didn't even realize until I was much older that um, a lot of black people just put on a different mask for being around white people. So honestly, I feel like a lot of what I experienced was from the view of having them, a lot of them having a mask on around me and just behaving in a way to not frighten the little white girl. You know what I'm saying? And I, uh, I hate to say that. But I, mean, I know it's not on purpose. purpose. No, no, I know that. It's absolutely... Um, first of all, a lot of, uh, you know, you, you, that's learned behavior because it's a necessary learned behavior. Um, like I was, everybody knows who Emmett Till was, right? Right. Right. Yes. Well, not everybody. So go ahead and tell us like, I was uh, a 14 year old boy who was even, even in the time, this was 19, third, late thirties, early forties, maybe, um, he was, he went to go, he was an Illinois born, Chicago born black child who went to go visit his family in, in the South where all black people came from because that's where slavery ended. Uh, but he was essentially accused of at the very least catcalling or whistling at, at the very most flirting with and putting his hand on right? A, a white cashier who was the wife of the store owner. She has since 
said that that never happened. None of those things happened. It's not. It's not on tape. Nobody like there's people who argue both sides of that. Right. She, she she said he never put his hand on her. She never said that nothing happened. But regardless, this is a 14-year-old boy who that night was kidnapped from his grandfather's home, was held hostage and tortured for a day, was beaten, eventually shot in the head, uh, had a cotton gin fan tied around his neck, and he was dragged down to the river and thrown in the river where they then recovered his body three days later. Um, so we, you know, I mean, not, you know, I think sociologically we've come a long way, but we're still very aware of where we were just a short time ago. I mean, yeah, I guess more people in our society are not okay with what happened to Ahmad Arbery because essentially he was attacked by a group of white men and killed for just existing and not doing anything wrong. Right. And there's no there's no there's no legitimate witness accounts to any of that story with Emmett Till. There's no, you know, nobody was in the store with him. Nobody. No, was nobody. Store. There's nobody that could prove that. Um, and and word versus his. Yeah, right. So, you know, um, point is, is this for existing? It's for existing. Black men still die, and women still die for existing. And somehow they've, uh, cre- you know, there's there's a little bit of legalization to it, like um, when we talk about. Um, Amir Locke, who, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like where, where police can bust into this man's house and murder him, then lie about it. Even though they have their cams on, we could see that that's not what happened. They murder him for sleeping on his couch. He wasn't on the warrant. They argued to get a no knock warrant after initially it wasn't supposed to be a no knock warrant. They break into this man's house who legally owned a firearm, but did not point it at anybody because he did not have a chance to do that. It was seconds. It was seconds. These things happen within seconds. And then, and then these men call it self-defense. You can kill a child in seconds. You mean white men? Yes, white men call it self-defense. You can kill kill a child within seconds for having a toy gun in his hand that you can buy at Walmart and not be held accountable for that and and, and call it self-defense. That police officer that that pulled up in the passenger side of that car really believed his life was in threat. Didn't even give a command. You guys, just to let, I mean, I did law enforcement in the Navy. And when I was doing law, a lot of people go, okay, well, that's, you know, especially people in the military be like, well, that's force protection, right? Because we do a lot of force protection overseas stuff, which means that we're protecting the country from terrorism, right? But when I started in the Navy, we went through police training. We went through all of the police training. We did all of the things that police officers would do. We did those things on base and off base when it came to um, when a sailor was involved, right? And when we are in 
intending to use any of our um, force, any of it, especially physical force, we are required to absolutely announce and give an individual an opportunity to cooperate and do what they're supposed to do. We are supposed to not only announce uh, our presence, but also announce what is going to happen next. If you'd like you give you an opportunity to put the weapon down, give you an opportunity to follow a command. And that those are like, those opportunities are not being given to individuals who are just dying for falling asleep in front of their TV on the couch. Come on. I do this all the time. This would never happen to me. Brianna Taylor was the same thing, right? Like that. And they still have not faced the consequences for that. No knock warrant on the wrong address, defending their home and, a, and, and like- After so shooting up the building. Is, so she's not even the only victim in that building. She's just only right. the dead person in that building. Right, 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 right. But, but George Zimmerman shot Trayvon because he was scared. And then started tracking him and started to get his ass kicked as an adult. And shot a young man. Listen, I, I think you're talking about bigger social issues, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so, so for me, show me a place where we're addressing. When I when I compare the strides that LGBTQ. Yes, we've talked about this before, and not again. We're not. It's not a diss or anything. Really, I'm happy not here to offend anybody. Seeing, I'm yeah. here to praise that. When I look at what opportunities and and um the the suffering that they've had to go through and continue to go through but what opportunities they've gained in such a relatively small amount of time sociologically compared to identifying in in, in well like stonewall was like in 1980s correct am i correct about that or is it late, earlier late than that? 70s. It was in the seventies. It was the late seventies, early eighties. Okay, yeah, okay. Um, and then that, I mean, when we talk about an evolution of a movement, that's pretty fast. I mean, we're still evolving. We still see things like what's happening in Texas for trans kids. We still th- we no, still see those things. But but generally speaking, uh, you're right. This movement has made uh, excellent strides and still. Uh, my can't. whole life, I never saw. I don't remember seeing memorable black characters till Bill Cosby. Yeah, whether that was Fat Albert when I was younger, mm-hmm. or as an adult, and I'm not—I I hate using the name. But yeah, the, I mean, we have to—we have to agree that he was a. Um. A, a positive presence in, yeah, I mean, like what he did, that can't be negated just because of what he's done. He's the one example I had. That's unfortunate, right? Like mm-hmm. I had, I had very few other on on in media outlets to yeah. show me that we were just as capable because that wasn't what I was being told in my neighborhood, right? And and so you know, um, when I look at the speed of which they have representation. Mm-hmm. 
in media today. It's about pretty the community, you know, when we talk about community and, and be, you know, being together and, and, uh, and really, you know, you know, what, what is that thing or where, you know, where does that leave us when, you know, because we're all so divided, you know, even just from community to community, um, from state to state, as far as, you know, but as when you're talking about LGBTQ, that just the different, you know, way that people stay connected. I don't know where you know, I mean, it could be a a thing of technology, but I think also it's a thing of seeing, like when you see um, the civil rights movement, um, a lot of the tactics and techniques and uh, things of that nature were used when we talk about um, Stonewall and when we talk about the LBGTQ community. Um, So I feel like a lot of those lessons were um, picked up and learned through like the civil rights movement, which I think is still ongoing if we're, if we're really going to be real about it, because again, if um, black men and women were equal in this country, then we wouldn't have to have a conversation about why they're being arrested at larger rates, being murdered by police officers. You're not the judge. jury. The football, let's bring the the football coach into this. Uh, Like, come on, man. The, the employment base, in that business model is 75% black people, black men. Yep. There's 36 professional teams. Mm-hmm. None of them owned by a black man. I, 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 when you start to, I don't want to call it a plantation, but when you start to realize how the 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 hierarchy of power funnels down and who's doing what. And we were talking about that black coach that had the balls to stand up for himself. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and and do you know he would have been Colin, Colin Kaepernick if it weren't for the old the only left the only black coach left in the league hired him. He he would have he he had the chance to be blackballed just like to be eighty six to be yeah just just like and I and I think man this is modern this is today mm-hmm. so there's still a, a a multitude of standards depending on who you are even as a black man I'm sure some of the best rappers I've heard have talked about you know. Even a black man in a Mercedes is still a nigga in a coupe. And I mean, that's the reality mm-hmm. of where we live in America and what how white Europeans see us, that you can be successful as a token. But, I but, not, as so- a ru- but not as a rule. I, I want solutions as equity. Equity means equal. And, equal. you know, like, and that's very, not what I, very, I don't think that's what we see. Oh, no. At all, and then when we're talking, like when we talk about this, the the NFL, right? But think about the cannabis industry. This is what I'm saying: they are they are making a class system out of the jobs that you can have in cannabis. So right, so it's like uh, the the cult the the hands on stuff, right? The cultivation, the dispensaries, the processors, the kitchens, right? These are all very high priced. 
uh, items that, that only a few can afford to get into, right? And then we got hospitality and delivery drivers. And then we got the teachers because my license was very, very inexpensive. Oh, and then um, ancillary workers, you guys can be at the bottom of and that, do you. right? And do, do what you. you do, right? We won't even bother with you. And so I just feel like there's this like whole classes. And when you talk about how a majority of the players in the NFL, 75% are not represented in, uh, in, uh, in C level positions are not represented in coaching positions are not represented in ownership. How, how are you telling me there's not one qualified uh, motherfucker in that whole pool that is qualified to be a coach and not one motherfucker that's qualified to be uh, in a C-level position? You know, like can't doesn't own like does can't afford to own like uh have an ownership stake in in a in the in the league or in in the team uh and oh uh, you know you got your ancillary workers you can go be a commentator on a news station and talk about sports like what okay Okay. <laughs> so we're talking about opportunity, right? And that's that at the end of the day, I, I have yet to see good examples of how we're given. That's why I don't believe anything's owed to me. Mm-hmm. But I do believe some people owe some shit. Yes, I agree. So, so, so how, okay. So, okay. What, so say you're in New Jersey, right? Where there's not a single black owner of a, uh, cannabis license in the state, in the whole state, since the beginning of their program, since their medical program. It's now, changing with their, now it's changing it's now. It's changing now. But let's just say that you own one of those licenses, right? In one of those, uh, in an in a neighborhood that you don't commune in, you don't you don't really work there. You own something there. You don't live there. You don't spend money there. You don't eat lunch there. You don't spend time with your family there. Let's say you own one of those businesses. How can you make a difference in the cannabis industry and be the change that we need now that this is already in your hands and you already own it? I'm going to make a couple suggestions and I'm going to open it up to anybody else that has anything. But my first, very first suggestion is not just hiring people from that neighborhood who look like people who live in that neighborhood to work on your floor, but also in your management and also in your C-level positions and give those individuals an opportunity to move up and potentially in the future have an ownership stake either in your company or in their own company. Those are just a few suggestions that I have from a personal standpoint where we're not talking about laws. Right, where you already have this and a responsibility, right? Let's say they don't regulate that. Let's say they don't do that. So, a good person, use your privilege and your responsibility to do the things that are necessary to make the change that we would like to see in our industry. And that's my suggestion, but that's coming from my perspective and my point of view. So, I leave it to the floor, Jason. That's a grand idea. It's very utopian from where I said, I think, you know, uh, we've, we've, we've learned it's where affirmative action came from, right? Like it's, we've learned that when, when left to our own devices, we sadly will more times than not fail. And 
get our get our cousin uh, JoJo, or you know, it, because most businesses are white owned, it's my cousin Brett and his younger yep. sister Chad. You know, uh, Karen. They all get nepotism, and that's how this country has been formed. When, when we they don't even do the job as good as somebody who doesn't get yeah, well, nepotism. It doesn't just, matter like, when it's you, your you know uncle. what I'm saying though. It like, doesn't matter when right. it's your uncle, and this whole country has been established on that. Right. Exactly. And, and the, we were talking earlier about this idea of what's owed and what's listen. There have been whether it was when we when people came back from the war, we fought in the war at a higher percentage than white people even though we're only 13% of the population, we died in the war then on a higher percentage than white people. And yet when we came back from World War II, we weren't afforded any of the benefits of GI Bill and housing that the white soldiers were afforded. So we'll step back two generations when it came to homesteading. You had to be a free white man in order to qualify for specific homesteading opportunities. Mm-hmm. So you can go get free land that now has value through the roof today, you know, that they make stories about in Napa or Yellowstone or, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. But yet, when when are we allowed to at least take advantage of the opportunities that are there? We create a black Wall Street. We create a historically black college and then you suck all the talent out of our pool by putting it in on football fields or on basketball fields or on, you know, I, I love or, seeing. Or, or in graves. Uh, well, look, I don't, I'm done top jails and in graves. Yes. We're yeah. putting as many of ourselves in there as they are. <laughs> uh, diabetes, killing ourselves, whatever it is. But the idea is where's the solution? When I see today's modern black, star mm-hmm. in society invest 110% turnaround 180 degrees back in his community where he came from that's that's all that's all you can ask right so then you have somebody like uh Deion Sanders who could be a coach who could parlay his way into being a coach anywhere in the country and he chooses to go to a historically black college and has success within a year or two. And then really mm-hmm. now sets example for other people of Dion's stature to come in and be coaches in their perspective fields in historically mm-hmm. black college, which then shifts the balance of where we're pulling from to yeah. where people are going to end up. And right. this is slow incremental pro- progress, right? Like this is really slow incremental progress. But when you're talking about people who 150 years ago were owned, on paper is three fifths of, of the people who owned us as as white men. Mm-hmm. I, I think there is progress to be had, and 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 I don't believe I anybody that. owes us anything. I, yeah. I you know me, I put the work in to go make sure that we the doors open and other black people. I disagree with you. I think that uh, I think that uh, black people and black communities are owed a whole lot, but uh, I, I understand what you're saying is that like, you know, you're not going to sit around and wait for what's, I mean, this country owes a lot. This country as a whole owes a lot. The cannabis industry, the least we could fucking do, but the least we could do is have a, a, a pool and, uh, not make, not, not make you somebody who, who knows, 
you know, backwards and forwards, this industry, you know, pony up with somebody else. You could do it yourself easily. Yeah, I have to be a partner. No, look, at the end of the day, there's no, I have yet to see real solution oriented uh, mm-hmm. legislation, state to state, yeah, year to year. Colorado had the opportunity. How many high level black people did they have in the room that weren't of self-interest talking about how to create these models? Yeah. I do believe we'll we'll find solutions. I'm still just trying to get it. Look, by design, black people are excluded from the even the earliest entry level positions. So you can't even work. Black people can't even get in the door to work their way up because legislatively, state to state, we were excluded for any or, or all previous cannabis experience that wasn't on the books before legislation said it was okay. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, you can't use your previous knowledge as you can't use your yeah. It, Are you telling me that Augustus Bush didn't get his shit from people hundreds of years ago when the shit was illegal somewhere? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, come on, it's just hypocrisy when it comes to certain people. Mm-hmm, and it is. It, mm-hmm. it, it, we're starting to identify that we can't live as a society and exclude and marginalize black black and brown people the way we have and still resource them for the capitalist agenda that we so love and, and enjoy all day. We can't right. do both. You can't, you know, you can't shit on your basketball players and then tell them you can't have a black coach. You're not smart enough. You can't do that. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, like, you, yeah. Anyways, okay. I think we got there, you know. I, I, think, mean, I, I think, think there's yeah. progress being made. I do. I agree with that. I think that we're continuing to progress. But here's the important part uh, for everybody listening. I want you to spread this message as much as you possibly can. The problem, the biggest problem that uh, that is being had is that the conversations are being had exclusively and are not being had inclusively. And so you have got to be in the room to put your two cents in. They have got to hear your voice. They have to hear your perspective. They don't know your perspective. They're assuming your perspective. How could they possibly know your perspective? They've never lived a single day in your shoes at all. At all. So... Be in the room. Show up. Start showing up. Like uh, Adrian was saying, uh, show up for, you know, to listen in on their on their public meetings. They publicize those. You can find them virtually. Uh, <laughs> ladies like this show is over. Um, so, you know, if, if they're having an open forum where you can show up, you know, put your mask on, go show up. But in and in, in especially if they're taking public comment, your uh, opinion about things and 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 how you feel about what's going on in your neighborhood and in your city and in your county is important. So go say what needs to be said, because, again, they only have their lawmaker perspective. And a lot of it is built in stigma and no knowledge in our communities and in our plant or what we're looking for in business. Or even in like your community, just minus the cannabis part of it, they don't know what's going on directly in your communities because a lot of them just don't live there. So and be I mean, if you can't be in meetings or Zooms or whatnot, it's not your thing. Email, do an email, have yeah. a call. There are scripts. You know, we'll we'll try to get something going like that where you know we can. Uh, lots of stuff, you know, but we will put that on the list. Things. 
So we're almost there. And lady, yeah, she's about to start. <laughs> yeah, she's ready. Um, so um, any last, uh, where can we find you, Jason? Any last thoughts? Uh, it's a heavy me. day. It's a heavy day. Yeah, no, again, I, I don't, and I don't want people to feel like the heaviness is disappointment or non-appreciation. Or I think we've made a lot of progress. I think we see a lot of progress. I think we have to, when you talk about real community engagement, means showing up, right? Like at the end yep. of the day, do do what you can do to make a difference. For me, it started as the conversation, but then I realized as time went by, people will make make a living off of talking about it. And that really didn't see the progress that I wanted to see. Right. So I want to put, you know, we started creating things like communities of color career events and, you know, putting people to work and trying to really match that infrastructure bridge that most people in my hood don't know about LinkedIn. Most people in my hood don't learn about building resumes and how that works and really creating a bridge of, of uh, understanding and education between the two. So, uh, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm still working on, on, uh, on the nonprofit level to, to, to build opportunity for people of color to gain access to this industry from uh, entry level to ownership. Uh, yes. I'm, I'm not running anything specific or doing anything specific. So I'm not really easy to find any, you know, at the moment I'm, to take some time and really kind of focus on me and and uh, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of positive coming out of it. I I just the industry is gonna like everything else in this country is gonna move at its own pace and, and really I don't think uh, we haven't even seen a unified cannabis. You know, I, I I can't put my brain around what it what what it's gonna look like when the the government says we can be border to border, coast to coast, and not have to worry about, you know, I mean, I, I it's going to look imagine. like, uh, I don't know, the administration keeping a promise that they made whenever they asked us to hire them to expunge and decriminalize. Yeah, yeah they've been saying that for a long time. All I say is, I, I want it. Meanwhile, I promote that illicit parallel lane. Because if we have precedence that shows a legal lane is exclusionary and we have a parallel lane that seems to be full of the same looking people of color, mm-hmm. I think there's a decent lawyer that can probably work his way through that or her way through that. The I idea for me was, being, Wasn't there the somebody opened, in another state that we had talked to uh, maybe a year or two ago that was doing something like that? That was like, well, they legalized it here, so I'm running this business, and this is what I'm doing. Well, you said uh, New Jersey. Yeah. And I, so I know in New like, Jersey, I know a guy in New Jersey that was running a dispensary, like a dispensary in Colorado. Right yes, I think this is right. the guy. Okay, right. yeah. That's my man, Ed Forshawn, he's a New Jersey weed man. Um, yeah, look, at the end of the day, you can't, that's, that's where we get real grassroots you want to check something out check out my girl on um instagram it's free my weed man the idea that you can't continue to create opportunities for a certain lane of people and and exclude the other yes so i'm going to continue to promote uh uh access to the industry on on a legit level playing field but also promote all black ownership i can promote and when the gates open that we're prepared to be part of the game, you know? 
we are also promoting those things. Uh, yeah, well said. I know you are. That's why I love you ladies so much. <laughs> love it. Um, Thank you. Love you. Well, I mean, I feel like that's a great way to um, wrap wrap things up. So I hope everybody enjoyed the show today. Remember that we're going to be back on Wednesday. Who's on Wednesday? Do we have a guest on Wednesday? Um, Let's look. I'm going to look too. I don't know if we have a guest on Wednesday, but I do know this. It's open as of right now. Um, It's open as of right now. If you know a beautiful, oh no. Oh wait. Yeah. No, it's open as of right now. If you know a beautiful uh, woman in the cannabis space or not in the cannabis space that wants to come hang out with us and smoke uh, smoke it's work Wednesday. So that's what we're going to be doing on Wednesday, March 1st, but Hey, check it out on March 9th. It is a work Wednesday, but we're actually doing something on work Wednesday. That's a little bit different. We're having like an open call to all boss women. So if you know somebody, or if you are somebody that owns a business, you're an entrepreneur, you run things, maybe you just run a business. Maybe it's a, a woman run business and you're running shit in there, whatever, whatever. The run thing is. Maybe you're running your household. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> We're inviting you to run come your through. Breathing. You just breathe and you're just surviving right now. Join us for, (laughs) right, exactly. Join us for a smoke. Tell us all about what you're doing. And uh, we don't have a particular topic laid out. We'll talk about whatever kind of pops up. You know how this show goes. And uh, we want to just introduce our audience to as many boss women as possible and connect you if the necessity arises to connect you. Maybe you're looking for a good massage therapist in Virginia. And I can I can guarantee that this person that I'm thinking of right now, hopefully she comes through on the show, is one of the best massage therapists I've ever encountered in my whole life. So. You know, maybe you're looking, maybe you're looking for a doula where we got some doulas coming through. Um, So, you know, maybe you're looking um, for somebody to talk to you about expungement programs. We have some individuals that we're hoping to see that are going to come through and talk about that medical clinics, um, running uh, farms and just being a serial entrepreneur as a woman. Um, uh, just, we got some amazing women that are, that are, that are saying, yeah, I'm going to be there. I'm going to come through. So we're looking forward to having them, but we want more, more women. And, uh, the month of March is about women. So any boss women you want to send our way, we would love to connect, um, and bring them on the show and highlight what they're doing out there. So, Uh, March 9th is our women's show, but the whole month of March, we're going to be highlighting women on every show. Uh, So definitely let us know if uh, you have a boss woman in your life you want us to highlight. Um, With that said, you guys, uh, be nice to yourselves and make sure that you put your mask on before assisting others. It's very important. Yes, ma'am. Cultivate love. You deserve it. Bring it to you. And, uh, yes stay lifted everybody lifted. we love hanging out with you we'll see you on wednesday 4 20 mountain standard time hey jason hang out if you can <coughs> thank you so much for being here yeah thanks for coming through man we always appreciate uh, your perspective always so insightful to you ladies same here love talking to you ladies soon <laughs> all right love everybody